And now, for some intro music. Can we start recording? Ooh, let's podcast. For realsies. So, to get back to King Kong, okay, I yeah. have a great King Kong, well, middling to mildly rememberable story about Did King Kong. Because there was a video game that was released alongside the Peter Jackson one that was like 2005. That there was. And a lot of it, I think, was like throwing wooden spears at Velociraptors. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame, because it, it would have been an amazing Jurassic Park game, because the Velociraptors in that game were terrifying, partly because your weapons were shit. I think you did get guns eventually, but your weapons were shit, and they would just creep up behind you. But I remember playing it on a friend's PlayStation Portable. I was going to say PSP, and then I was like, nope. going to say the whole name. <laughs> uh, and we were... We were like, I think we were camping, and we were in a tent, and I have no idea what time it was, but it was like pitch black outside, and the only, we were in a tent, and the only light was the was like four, like four of my friends, and we were ten, eleven, like young when 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 the film came out, and we were sort of huddled around, and we were sort of hot seating playing this game, trying to defeat the dinosaurs, and. I remember, yeah, the point we were at, you're in like these spooky tribal ruins and you're fighting velociraptors with a spear. Or actually, I don't I think you're, you're fighting very few because they were so powerful that you'd kind of fight one at a time. And one appeared and then disappeared. And for like five minutes, we were wandering around the sort of badly rendered jungle trying to find it. And. Yeah, no, it surprised us. That was it. That was it. Was, it was kind of the, the jump scare. That, that's the story, really. You got jump scared in a tent. Wait, so and now yeah. all your friends are dead. Sorry to follow. You were actually camping at the time. Like so we were actually camping like... in a tent. My friend right. had his PSP. We were playing the game. We were hunting for this Velociraptor that was in fact hunting us because and it scared we you. were all watching him play, and he was like wandering around, and we couldn't find the Velociraptor. And then we were like, I bet it's right behind you. And he's like, nah, nah, it's not. And he kept walking. And then, he, and then, he, and then, and there's no directional noises. It, it was really shit, tinny PSP <laughs> insert speaker noise. No surround sound. But for whatever reason, it was like he turned around to have a look and it was like right in his face. And we all just were like, fuck. It was, yeah, it was pretty, it, it was pretty scary. But the app, and obviously, it shocked him so much that he dropped the PSP. So, from what was the fairly sort of murky glow of the the PSP backlight, and that was the only light we had, suddenly just dropped us into complete pitch black after a <laughs> slightly all, dodgy looking. You all tried to run in different directions in the tent and then sort of pinged back. Cause... Well, no, I think we were all in sleeping bags, so like we were all just like constrained and just like. Ugh! Uh, but yeah, that was the super interesting. <laughs> King Kong story that I thought was well worth a cold so, open. That is, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, all right. Cool. I can respect it. You're an actual open maybe? now. Yeah. Okay. Super. To the actual episode. To the actual episode. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing again? Oh yeah. Okay. Hello. Welcome to the Bits and Pieces podcast. This is number seventeen. It says in front of me. Uh, hello. I'm joined by George, who is all about dinosaurs and tents today. Say hello, George. Hello. And Gav, who I can see the webcam of, and it's all dark, and Gav's face is very glowy, so he's a bit spooky as well. Say hello, Gav. Uh, hello. I was going to try and do a ghost noise, but I decided not to. (laughs) That's fair. Hello. (laughs) I couldn't tell if you were booing the fact that you didn't do a ghost noise or just doing a ghost noise. Doing a ghost noise. Boo noise. I was playing on the fact that it could be both of those. Oh, I see. And I ruined it. It was a clever wordplay. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's too highbrow for us. (laughs) Right. So we have a running order this week. We're going to talk a bit about Red Dead 2. Uh, and then the beginning of Prey and Dishonored, as well as some Breath of the Wild. And then Gav and I are going to try and include George in some JRPG chat. Um, kicking and screaming, potentially. Uh, and then I've got a Choose Your Own Darksiders adventure to cap the the podcast off with. So I'll let you guys lead with the Red Dead stuff, because I have no idea. You've let us all down, Nevi, by having no idea. Yeah, no, and here... Here I thought you were a fellow Red Dead enthusiast. I am. But following all the latest news. Have you not just, seen the trailer yet? No, I've or... not seen any of the trailers. <laughs> you've let right, you down and you've yeah. let your horse down. I know. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't think any of it would like surprise you that much. I mean, it's a western. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it looks a lot like the first to know, game. To be honest. It, it looks a lot like a kind of evolution of the first game more than anything drastically... New, mm. you know the romanticized view of Red Dead Redemption that you have in your mind that will never t- be topped by anything ever because it is the paragon of all things. Uh, yeah, it's that. It looks a lot like that. Right. Okay. Nice. Cool. Uh, you get like uh, the main thing I think, apart from all the increases in you know making the world feel alive or whatever, which I'm a bit cynical about because the first game kind of had that and it more or less meant that you ran across the same like three roadside encounters over and over mm. for the duration of the game mm. but yeah like you have like this the the whole you know you're like an outlaw band so the whole story is told through all these people who are hanging out at your camp and the camp kind of moves with you through the game yeah and they're all and you have and, to like and they're all playing the psp version of uh, King Kong. They well. are. So, yeah, in the tent at night. Yeah. That's one of the mini games. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Like, in that the is camp. one of the mini games. Oh, yeah. You have to like you have to like hunt for food for the camp and you can like form bonds with the characters in it. And that seems to be one of the the key selling points in the trailer that was released. Okay, cool. Uh it looks the the horse stuff looks great because I was having a think about this and I was like riding a horse in video games feels so much better than driving. Because it was amazing in Red Dead 1. Like, it just felt super atmospheric. And my favourite memories of that game are just riding along to the score and riding through that thunderstorm when you have to get back to the homestead where your family is. Mm. Uh, and also in The Witcher, just riding a horse is nice. And I realised it's because it's so difficult to crash a horse. <laughs> it's almost like That's it's true. a living being, you. isn't it? <laughs> it won't just go directly into a tree <laughs> Yeah, and I think I need that because I was like, well, why 
why isn't like driving in GTA isn't quite the same? Like, yeah, there are some nice moments in GTA Five. Like, you have some tunes on, and you're like driving in the sunset, but it never feels quite as good as riding a horse. And I think there's something more cinematic about the horse. But also, it's because the horses are pretty good and they stage the track, and so you can feel epic while also fairly comfortable in the fact that you're going quite slowly and you're probably not going to flip the horse. Mm. Unless you really try. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Horses are a, a feature. They Always a feature. Always horsing about. They they look like they're like really uh, kind of dynamic in the new game. Yeah, there's a nice bit of the trailer really... where you get to brush your horse. Yeah. And when like someone gets shot off a horse, it'll like, you know, it'll buck and try and escape and stuff. I don't know, kind of standing around weirdly. Yeah. But, yeah, it looks looks real good. It's the only time... I was saying this to these guys before the podcast started. It's the only time I've had, like... Like, I clicked on a YouTube video to watch it. It's the only time I've been interrupted by a pre-roll ad that's, like, six minutes long and watched it. It was to the point where once once it finished... I actually closed the tab because I thought I was done watching the video <laughs> and then realised that that wasn't what I came there for. Turn the computer was... off, left the house. <laughs> is that That's my mission done for today. Yeah. So, the thing I'm... I don't know how I'm going to cope with is in Red Dead 2, it seems like you're far more of a... a villain? Or you're slightly more villainous? Because... Yeah, because like in in Red Dead One, you are ble- yeah, you're a bleeding heart goody two shoes, which I loved because I just loved being a nice pal to everyone that I found, and I don't really know yeah. how I'm gonna be able to cope with like not doing that. I think I think it'll make the the moral choices more actually interesting because I mean the first game had the whole was it, what was it called again? Was it honor or something? Uh, thing? Is it? And I can't remember what it was called, and it made Reputation? no real sense reputation yeah Mm. because it was like it was just like a a weird tracker for whether or not you randomly murdered people (laughs) rather than anything else but in this one i always find it's more interesting when you play a character who's like regarded as being you know a baddie because you know you're you're in a bit of a more kind of morally gray Mm. area and you can kind of make decisions based on other other factors and you know what's the best Mm. so we're talking about this the other day right I mean, you know, when we're talking about uh, good old Jerry from The Witcher, like, he's kind of presented as a bit morally grey, but, I mean, he's not really. He just does good stuff for money, which is a bit different. But, you know, if you're a member of an outlaw gang, I think it makes it more interesting when you choose to do something, like, good or or bad specifically, especially when there's kind of necessity in there as well, because, you know... I mean, what if it carries actual risk for the members of your outlaw troop? Yeah, it's like I think it will be interesting to see whether you get to be like bank robbers from Heat, where it's like your money's insured. <laughs> don't stand up if you don't want to get hit. <laughs> We're actually, you know, not completely terrible people unless you're that guy that is the terrible person from Heat, but then gets shot. <laughs> Sidetracked. Uh, yeah, I just liked being a. Nu- what I'm excited for is there are now, uh, you can now kind of interact with people more in the world. Like you almost have voice lines that you can choose. Not quite. Yeah, yeah. So like it was there was one point where it was like, like those little emergent like 
things that happen where it's like someone's cart is broken down. You can now choose how you respond to that with actual, like, sort of voice options. So you can be like, yeah, whether or not you like get involved. And it even it even gave you the option to just like say a nice thing to someone that rode past you. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Like I'm gonna spend a, a good while in that game just riding around, being like, <laughs> being, "Hey, mate, being a gu- nice, a nice horse, a nice person." <laughs> Nice morning today, isn't it? It's gonna be lovely. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's look, the systems look interesting. I'm interested to see how they how they pull it off. One thing that I I hope right because every fucking Rockstar game does this. Um, I hope that it sticks to playing the the outlaw thing out, and does not do the thing that every Rockstar game does, where either right at the start or about halfway through. You know, suddenly, uh, you know, you're the bad guy under the control of the feds or whatever. Because every Rockstar game does that, and I really hope they don't do that uh, kind of tired writing trope again. Mm. <laughs> it's just a pet peeve of mine. Oh shit! Yeah, I guess we'll. Uh, I guess we'll see. My cat probably see how Dutch's gang like <laughs> splits up. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners at home are missing some some quality cat content quality cat content exactly this is just this is episode two of you being described things that you don't get to see <laughs> well we all enjoy a cat things that you did see what was nice was you saw the marsden family sitting around a campfire in the background oh there you go background characters mm-hmm. yeah which i was excited for and just just made me hurt all the more because the death of my john marsden was particularly humiliating because <laughs> when did you did you open the door like a complete badass and then I was, failed the, yeah, the thing to shoot people I, and I die in the mud? I didn't shoot anyone. Oh so man! John Marston's last stand, where he bursts out of the barn to f- take down the army and FBI that betrayed him. I was like, I've got t- all the time in the world. I can just tag every single one of these guys and kill them all. Uh, I didn't have all that time. Dude, you ran out of time. <laughs> I didn't kill any of them. On the table, and then was shot to pieces. So I didn't even get Rest to peace, go down shooting. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I thought you were gonna say that you like you tried to be a nice guy again. You're like, oh, I don't really want to shoot. Them. Look, guys, <laughs> this is a big misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah, we've all we've all made some mistakes today. But yeah, because I, I couldn't kill them all at the end. I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, aim for the important ones. <laughs> yeah, the, those two. Those two agents. Yeah, there's a couple. I think because there's one of them. Because obviously there's the one that appears in the kind of epilogue bit that you you can't kill him there, I don't think. No, the but one that you can kill Jack his finds. friend because you know the the other kind of side agent you can shoot him. And so yeah, I kind of I tried to shoot the ones I recognised. <laughs> um, rest in peace, those guys. <laughs> yeah. Shall we uh, discuss something we've actually been playing? Yeah, and uh, I don't mind starting because I've played spicy tiny content. bits of everything. Go for it, George. Because my attention Quick span fire. is short. Uh, I played about five minutes of Breath of the Wild. Uh, finally made some progress because I've been in a giant mech elephant for months. Keep picking it up, <laughs> keep being like, oh yeah, I was stuck here, and then just putting it down. Um, and then I left the mech elephant for a while, wandered around, teleported back to the mech elephant, and that's where I picked up this weekend. Uh, and I finally got past the bit 
and was like, oh yeah, all of the systems in Breath of the Wild are super clever, and this game is wonderful and excellent. Um, still died in very stupid ways. <laughs> uh, but That is the real game, really, there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I made some progress, and then I got off the train, and I'm about to finish the map. The uh, sorting out that big mech elephant in a pond, but that's yeah. what I've got to do next. So, more probably continue playing that. But I also yeah. got round to playing Prey and Dishonored Two because I finally finished The Witcher Three. Uh, had a mild crisis about the ending I got, <laughs> ruined my weekend. Oh dear! I, I don't think I've ever been so heartbroken. Luckily, it turned out there was it. It kind of all hinged on one decision that I'd made that I didn't really view as kind of a decision. And so to be able to emotionally cope and to have any sense of closure, I was able to like jump back an hour, change that decision. Mm. And then I got an ending I was, I was okay with. Uh, yeah. But man, that ending messed me Shit. up. Standing on the keyboard. Go. Uh, but yeah, now I'm like, that. now that's out of the way, I can finally dive into... The DLC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I did. I completed House of Stone. All right, but I I, be, I picked up Prey and just wanted two, so it's uh it's gonna be a couple of months of immersive Sims, but immersive Sims indeed. I've never played Dishonored two yet. No. I played the first wee bits of Prey. Prey's really good. Yeah, I just I, never played any. I never played any more of it. I've played about forty lazy. minutes of play, Prey, like a really tiny play. amount. But I let the cat. Out the I really I really liked how it began, and I'm excited to play more of it. Just the um. You so you're like it's a it's very much a you start in you're in a room and then you you have a a segment where you break the illusion and you discover that you're in like a testing center and everything mm. around you is a lie, uh, which I I guess I discovered by accident because you're in, you're in like a room and one side of it is is a glass uh, some glass doors that look out across the cityscape yeah um, and I can't I'm not sure I. And yeah, you wake up there, uh, having been to some scientific tests, and you wake up after them, and you're wandering around. And I was just having fun being able to pick stuff up, and so I've been I've been around throwing all the bottles against walls and just kind of <laughs> you're easily easily pleased that I'm just having fun picking stuff up. <laughs> I was like ninety percent of the fun of those games. <laughs> I was like, look at all these things I can pick up and throw. And then I threw a a mug against the uh, against the glass that went out onto the balcony and the glass shattered uh, and then behind it there's this just like there's this like studio and it's like what the glass was an illusion and i'm in uh like a a testing studio and i'm actually in the big brother house i did was you, like did you not pick up the wrench then uh i think i've been outside and picked up the wrench all right okay yeah because there's like a way that's supposed to go isn't there like yeah. Yeah, I just kind of discovered Where? it. I d- I hadn't really. I didn't did- even know you could I- break it like that. I didn't. Yeah, I was no. I just threw it through a mug at the glass, and the glass all the glass shattered, and then I was staring at the like, this this, yeah. this sort of outer area that kind of looks a bit like a film set, uh, with everyone kind of gathering to look in through the windows at you. Mm. I was like, oh, this is really cool, and it, and yeah, it's really it's it's really cool the way it's rendered because obviously the. It's it just it looks very impressive because when you look at there's a, there's a sort of hole it's shattered in the glass and you can still see the cityscape mm. 
kind of through all these jagged edges of the yeah. glass, and it, just, it looks great. Um, yeah, the game does that in a few different ways. Uh, someone was obviously very proud of the way they were able to make that happen. Yeah, because because there's a few times there's like these screens that are obviously seeing straight on to like another 3D rendered scene within them and you can look around and it changes the angle. And there's this one where there's like three separate screens all showing different angles on the same event. And it's really cool because you can move around and see it from three different angles. That's pretty cool. Because I know in Half-Life, I don't know if it's the same effect, but in Half-Life all the mirrors were actually windows that just looked out onto like an exactly the same modelled room. And right. then just duplicate your player, player character into the into that room. I guess that's probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, yeah, and it was just particularly impressive because obviously, like, you've got all these jagged bits. Yeah. Uh, mm. And I played about th- ten minutes past that. I got the glue gun that shoots good. glue guns foam. great. Uh, and I was like, I'm gonna shoot foam everywhere. <laughs> and I emptied the glue gun. And I was like, probably shouldn't have done that. So I quit. Give up. It was done. No you way I could have left without this glue like gun. Two hundred rounds. Like, that's He's impressive. Got so much. Yeah, you uh, must have put it everywhere. <laughs> I literally covered the entire room in the glue stuff. Must have made a right mess. <laughs> I suppose if you were you were pleased picking up cups, I think having a glue gun might have been a bit too much. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wasted all of it. I was like, oh, I probably need some of that to play the game. Um, but rather than reload the save, I'll just quit and come back to it another time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been meaning to go back to Prey because it's such like a good example of like, like, you know that kind of you know System Shock, Bioshock idea of that kind of single environment that's just so like it seems restrictive, but at the same time, it's more open in a lot of senses than many like uh, actual open world games are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. like, I remember there's this one bit where I kind of realized like how like open-ended everything was obviously there's stuff like the glue gun so the game expects you basically to be able to climb onto any surface in the game the, and that often the glue gun you know, has, for anyone that has to play prey fires it's kind of like filler foam and you yeah, it fires like, like these blobs at a wall and then it like expands into a sort of foam ball and you can either shoot it at the yeah. wall and it'll create like a blob sticking out the wall that you can jump on or you can shoot it at enemies and it'll like slow them down as the yeah foam hardens. completely st- stick them in place and like one of the bits i realized was was that and then there's this bit where you get this um you get what is it what's it called again the is the something bowcaster you know the wee it's a wee tiny plastic the wookie bowcaster gun that shoots <laughs> yeah exactly but it shoots wee foam darts right and it seems oh, useless but yeah basically it's a nerf gun <laughs> Um, but what it does is... Oh, that's, yeah, I remember seeing the, that in the trailer, and it, it the, literally is... The a... tip of the foam darts uh, can activate buttons, <sighs> and so it's the most useful shit ever. You can, like, if you can see a button through a window or through a gap, but you can't hit it, you can just take this wee thing out and plink it, and <laughs> you can even do some really funny tricks that the game must expect you to do. It's like, there's this one security place that... I don't even know if there's another way, and I don't care. I How I did it was... There's like a wee, you know, one of those wee gaps in the glass that you'd like slide paperwork yeah. through or whatever. And there's a button that you couldn't aim directly at. But what I did was I aimed at such an angle that the foam dart, I, I quick saved and quick loaded, by the way, because I ran out of darts over and over. 
Uh, I aimed into that gap and ricocheted the dart off the ground oh, nice. and hit the button and opened the door. And I was like, I am a god of <laughs> trick, praying. Trick shot corner. Exactly. And you can do that in a ton of different places. That's awesome because I, re- I remember it- seeing that. I think I remember seeing that Nerf Gun now in like back at when it released and they were trailers. And in the, the little like gameplay reveal that they had, that Nerf Gun is played like played off completely as a joke. Like the character like finds it and it's like, Oh, what's this? And they and they like shoot a nerf gun at one of the aliens, which bounces off. And like, oh. <laughs> but it, it has its uses. I, it, it's pretty fabulous, and the game completely, I think, expects you to be able to do stuff like that. Like it's not game breaking. Mm. Oh it's shit! It's just uh, uh, good point. So Nevi has just subtly in the chat prompted conversation. I was attempting not to derail <laughs> And I've not played that much of Prey either, so I can't go off on it. But I'm incredibly excited to just engage more with the systems in the game. Yeah, it so, seems pretty good so far. I've, I, yeah, I've probably at a similar stage to you. I've just got the uh, the glue gun and had my first eye injection. So we'll go on to to Nevi's secret topic. Yeah, speaking after, speaking of I mean, did, so did you immersive that, simulators no? with awesome systemic gameplay? Subterfuge is nothing like that. It's quite it's nothing kind of all. immersive. <laughs> I was definitely embodying the role of undersea dickhead for a week <laughs> so nevi and i participated in a game of subterfuge which is uh it's a mobile game do you want to explain it nevi? yeah okay so um you're all undersea sort of operators and sort of a think of an rts but across a week everything you do takes a certain amount of time from moving subs from one location to another the aim is to drill mines and get a certain number of Neptunium, which is this, just it's basically points. Um, and the winner is the person who has, who gets the two hundred. Uh, and it, the game's fairly straightforward in that uh, subs win on a just that you have more subs, therefore you win basis. Um, and the game's mostly just about talking to people and just sort of making alliances, and in my case, try to convince everyone else to attack everyone, so you don't really have to. Yeah, the game is just is just played on like this two D flat plane with loads of little nodes of your outposts. Yeah, uh, and you're sending subs between little submarines between all your outposts. Yeah, uh, and combat is simply one sub against what another one sub. They'll destroy each other, so mm. you just have to have more. Yeah, there are specialists that sort of mix it up a bit that add like extra little bonuses. So there's like the lieutenant who automatically just kills five subs and then can move fifty percent quicker as well. And then other stuff like that that sort of tweaks the game ever so slightly in an interesting way. But yeah, everything takes a long time. So it's like, I would like to move these 50 subs to from this outpost to attack Nevi's outpost. Yeah. But that will take 11 hours for them to arrive. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah, so it's weird. So like, I see that I'm being attacked. I see the subs launch. I get a warning that they've launched. It's like, well, I've got, I've got 12 <laughs> hours before the battle happens. Mm. And it's just this long game of yeah diplomacy and chatting to your neighbors and being like if <laughs> let's not attack each other so that we can focus on our other borders yeah um definitely and nevi and from what i understand of nevi <laughs> perhaps not being the best team player i was a, a brilliant team player ne- team nevi did quite well <laughs> <laughs> And from what I under—I mean, I suppose I shouldn't say that because from what George says, sounds like you did 
team play on many different teams. <laughs> yeah, I was just part of everybody's team, apart from George's, actually. I was never yeah, on apart George's from my team. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think this, this was my like, third game of Subterfuge. And it is a game that takes over your life, because you are constantly checking your phone. You are constantly, like... You wake up and it's like you you have to check subterfuge because you need to see what's happened in the eight hours you've been asleep. Yeah. Or, and so, and it just makes you paranoid, and yeah, no, it's bad. And so at the start of the game, I was just like, just for some peace of mind, because uh, I'd kind of I was kind of hosting the game, and so I just like sent messages out to kind of everyone like people I knew from all over, mm. uh, and so I was the kind of the one common denominator between everyone there and so at the very start of the game I was like for a, so I'm quite slightly less stressed out I reached out to a, one of my friends who was my neighbour and I was like we should be allies like honestly I'm I don't even want to win if I just want one of us to win let's just be solid allies we'll never betray each other <laughs> and he was like yeah actually that sounds good I think he was his second game as well and so we were just, we just decided that no matter what we would just try and help one of us win. And it worked. Through the, the, entire, through the entire game, we kind of stuck with each other. And to all of my other neighbours, I reached out and was like, hello, trying to be very friendly. Uh, and kind of agreed with all but one of my neighbours to kind of cease fire. And then got into a war that never ended Nope. with my last neighbour. Uh, and that was most of my game. Um, and then to- towards the end of the game... <laughs> Despite having had a fairly quiet border with Nevi, <laughs> Nevi was one of my neighbours. Just, just get backstabbed. I mean, Nevi spent most of the game trying to encourage me to betray Everyone. my one, my one strong <laughs> ally, the one true friend. In my defence, George attacked me first. That's not true. That is <laughs> entirely all. true. You sent that, those subs at that mine first. Yeah. Because... Admittedly, they didn't arrive before I killed. <laughs> because you. I had negotiated a ceasefire between. My al- my ally and you, so that we could work together. And I'd I'd be like I'd yeah. talk to both of you. I was like, look guys, we can work towards better things. I, I think you guys should stop fighting. Yeah. And then and then you betrayed him and yeah, I did. Just I did swamped his land. But in fairness, and so it... in retaliation for that, I had to attack you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in my in my defence, I was always going to betray him. <laughs> uh, uh, there was kind of a I had a plan. I had a plan. I saw well, I saw a cluster know. that I wanted to take, and I saw a second. At cluster least he's honest you. about it. I mean, yeah, I, from day yeah, one, like, I can't, like this game. Despite sorry, I should say so this Nevi... game took my life over to an unhealthy extent to the point where I, when this game started, I made a plan on a bit of A4 paper that I carried <laughs> inside my phone, <laughs> and I'd set alarms to remind myself because quite often a thing that I would do is I would fund people for about fifteen minutes, so that no one would really notice. I'd fund them just for the t- just for the time that it'd take for them to produce drillers. Cancel the funding. They'd suddenly have a few more drillers there. Um, so I'd set reminders on my phone to tell me when people were going to produce drillers, so that I could help perpetuate wars that I wasn't involved in to keep people busy. <laughs> uh, Man, so fun- sounds like so funding works if you're if you're in the lead by a certain amount over someone, yeah. then you can fund them, and all that does is just improve the rate at which they produce submarines which is basically that it's the currency of everything it's what you use to drill mines to attack people 
everything like that. Yeah. Um, and I kind of yeah. knew that Nevi was going to betray me at some point because not only he'd been like constantly encouraging me to betray all of my neighbours, <laughs> at, at, at some point he reached out to my one good ally and started trying to convince him to betray me. <laughs> at which point I then get a whole lot of screenshots from my friend being like uh, yeah I'd, I'd watch out and I was like well I know he's going to betray me at some point and somehow I was still disappointed when we were clearly not working together at that point you said you were going to send subs and then never sent them because I have eyes everywhere at that point most people thought I was their friend so they would always give me reliable intelligence about where subs are moving from um, <laughs> I was just see. I did. It was a so, week of me being horrible to everyone. So Nevi reached out to me and was like, "Hey, I think you should move on the person that's winning." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, let's stop fighting." And it was like, "Yeah, I agree. We can work together to achieve something." Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> the goal and so, of that. So, was, uh... <laughs> and so you, all of your little oh, outposts have a certain amount of like sonar range, and so you can only see like so fog of war. So you can only see within a radius of each little outpost you have, and beyond that, it's just fog of war, and all you can see is where outposts are, but you can't see what's happening. Mm. Uh, and so there were two outposts just outside of Nevi's sonar range that I controlled, and he was like, oh, have you got any subs there? And I truthfully told him how many I had. I already knew. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew. <laughs> and he was like, oh, if you launch subs from there, you can distract the person that was winning, and I'll launch an attack yeah. Uh, to when they're distracted, I was like, okay, fine. Uh, so then I told them if I had launched my subs, I hadn't launched my subs. No, see, see. Uh, and then see what I'm working so, with. And then I launched a couple from an area that Nevi, I was like, I knew Nevi could see mm. to convince him that I was attacking. Yeah. Uh, and then despite my apparent cooperation with this plan <laughs> never still attacked me because you didn't cooperate with the plan so my other, my <laughs> my backup plan was to kill you and take your stuff <laughs> that's a pretty good backup yeah, plan yeah it it, wor- it worked fairness, quite well fairness. Fair. <laughs> uh, and so all so, all Nevi really achieved was i came second i was sort of like in a sort of competitive second slash third place <laughs> but was not in the lead there was someone else in the game who was like had a pretty strong position and was just slowly eating up the map. Mm. Uh, all Nevi achieved was just dashing any chance I had of winning and allowing them to just swarm <laughs> the rest of the game. And I was like, what is this achieving? In fairness, I came second. And I wasn't. I think yeah, I wasn't. I was wasn't too far away from doing alright. Can't argue with it. Can't argue with second place. I mean, if he sabotaged you and enough... You, yeah, you, to... he knocked me out of the top three <laughs> I in did. fourth place. <laughs> Sounds like that was his yeah. plan all along. It was a hilarious bit where I knew the game was going to end, so I just sent one sub from every single base to where George's queen was. So you had this brilliant like spider web of subs just converging, but they were never going to make it because they're about 60 hours out, some of them. <laughs> we had like seven hours to go, and I was like... <laughs> just, just, yeah, just so I funny. managed to take quite a lot of territory, but the game ended for me kind of ignominiously with like having lost all of my territory. So the war I started at the very start of the game had gone quite well, and working with my ally would push this guy back to like his last couple of outposts. Mm-hmm. Then Nevi starts funding him, taking all of my territory, attacking yeah. my ally, and so the person I'd been fighting against just surges back. Knocks me out. Was that the guy in first place? No, nope. no. Just, just someone in like no, last some, place. So he came, some he, came, he came last of the people who weren't dead. 
<laughs> he was my friend. Game ended for me. See, like one of the specialists you can get is called a martyr. Oh yes. And if they ever participate in combat, they just blow up everything in that combat and the outpost that they're at. And so I ended up building my. So I had lo- had two mines remaining, and they were like my last four out. One of my two of my last four outposts, having had. 10, 12, or 10 or 12, so. <laughs> uh, and it was just me huddled in these two outposts with a martyr at each, being like, if you want to come fight me, I'm taking you all with me. Yeah. <laughs> and that was how the game ended for me. Yeah. Well, you know, at least you at least you went down with a bit of pride. No, we didn't yeah. get to blow up his martyr. We were quite disappointed. <laughs> uh, was your plan... Well, I mean, was I mean, surely that kind of strat if you know he's got one there, it could easily be countered by just sending in one... That's what we were doing. Yeah, so that's so they can do... One single... Yeah. So, so I had some submarines, so I was able to just launch a, a single submarine back at the single one they were launching. Yeah. Oh, well, there and you so go. I was like, that's... that's a, Galaxy of Brain Strats. Yeah. It was good. Uh, but I am very glad the game is over. I don't need to think about it anymore. <laughs> it stresses me out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very disappointed that I missed it. Oh, it was... Because I wasn't paying attention... At the time, yeah. and I missed the post in in our chat that was the invite to this yeah. important mm-hmm. event. I had uh, an inordinate amount of fun just trying to convince people to attack their neighbours, and then when they did, funding their neighbours so that it was more difficult for them to deal with it. <laughs> it was awful, yeah. I'm a terrible, terrible person. I learned, these yeah, I learned a lot. Go I learned to doggy a lot. hell for this one. <laughs> I learned a lot about Nebby. <laughs> it was awful, absolutely <laughs> awful. <laughs> I know what I get like when I play games like that. It's just, it's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but but I never betrayed on... two people. Well, no, I never betrayed one person. I betrayed the other one just without attacking them. I was <laughs> just pretended to be friends with them. Never openly sent subs at them. That was the guy who won, who won, but I did sort of give troop movements to his enemies and also fund them. <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. is sub. Technically, never technically attacked never them. attack them. That I didn't break our non-aggression pact, so I feel like that's a. I can take the moral victory there. I I, I felt kind of bad. Mado was the person who George was allied with, and um, yeah, <laughs> he just pulled all his subs away from our border. And I just gave him a heads up about 10 minutes before I'm sort of moved in like <laughs> with like 150, 200 subs and just sort of... 200 subs? These sound very serious. It was, it was my... It's more serious subs than we have. Into, yeah. <laughs> Don't joke. Uh, it was good. It was bad at the that same is... time. It was, it was awful. But, yeah, that is subterfuge. Traumatic. Yeah. Poor George. <laughs> got, subterfuge got is bummed. the game you want if you want nine days of stress yeah and to never trust your friends again <laughs> yeah. george did end up a bit bullied at the end it felt somewhat bad about yeah it. everyone was bullying me and it was like it wasn't even like i was the leader who needed to be bullied to stop me from winning no, it was like you, i was like in second but you were just place. the nearest person <laughs> rocks uh. was too far away <laughs> right let's surface surface oh dear. surface climb onto land and hide in the the jrpg nonsense closet is what i have titled yes the next segment so we'll come out of the, the closet and say that okay so yeah i've okay. been playing uh cool. nino kuni 2 by level 5 which is it's good yeah i've i enjoy the older systems it's got a good action 
RPG sort of combat system, which is fun. I do think that the story is rubbish and most of the characters are quite boring, um, which is a shame. But I feel like that's kind of a trend in level 5 games. I feel like the first Nino Kuni had the Studio Ghibli involvement, which kind of helped make it so that they had some more narrative focus. Oh, because you've played the first one, haven't you, Gav? I've played bits of it. I think I've got like 30 hours into it or something, maybe. Which isn't that long, I don't think, in the overall scope of the game, which is pretty lengthy. Mm. But, uh, yeah. 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 The the world of this one could be from a Studio Ghibli film, but it's very obvious that that's the only thing that it kind of uh, carries forward. The, the, The characters are not very interesting... Which is really disappointing because the first character you meet, Roland, is like he's he's like I think he's maybe like the prime minister of Japan, like transported to this sort of weird magical world. Um, right. And the first thing you see him do is is shoot somebody and they die. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is not very like traditional JRPG. Someone actually just got shot and died with a gun immediately. Uh, and then it, but then it sort of just descends into like visit five places beat five bosses that's kind of what it's been so far and yeah like, they don't feel like they use the side characters at all um they're all kind of a bit boring and they don't, you don't ever really have any you don't they don't feel like they kind of develop or progress in any way whereas at least roland and oh, what's the kid's name anyway the cat boy Is the, the one with the kid and the sort of like spirit dog spirit by that do you mean Mr. Drippy, the Welsh, guy. the Welsh, Welsh, strange beast, fairy thing. It's like a white dog spirit thing. No. no. I mean, maybe, I, I mean, you get all sorts of weird Pokemon. Yeah, it sounds like you're thinking of Tintin. I don't know what spirit dog. No. In this mean. one, you it's, get a... Oh, wait, no, is that, is that a Kami? That's just, you are a white dog. Well, a wolf. Yeah. You are, yeah, you you are a white spirit dog yeah. in that game. So right, I don't know. I don't know if the listeners need some background here. I mean, I don't. I don't really know for sure. What are you? Do you have uh, an articulated stance against JRPGs, or are you simply a novice, George? Uh, I've just in never their ways. never picked one up to play. Just I've never. Like, right, okay, that okay. looks like a game I want to play. I mean, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. They are. It's a if dense it's... genre to get into, I think. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it was always like. I mean, I think in like I have vague memories of seeing covers for them in like game and stuff, and being like, "Oh, looks like there's a lot going on there." I don't <laughs> really understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they can be a bit uh, intimidating, especially when it's like, you know, you're like, oh, shall I get into this? And it turns out, you know, it's the sequel to eight other games. Yeah. And yeah, like, it was, always the high, it was quite high numbers that would sort of put me off. I was like, it's uh, always, always high numbers. Mm-hmm. As a person that just you're like, Dragon Quest Eight, and I always feel compelled Final to Fantasy. start with the first one. Yeah. I mean, most of, those you, most of them you don't have a need to, because they, they. No, yeah, you can just ignore yeah, the other they, ones. The numbers might as well not exist. If uh, most of most JRPGs <laughs> for this one included, yeah, they're just like it. Just it's like a, it's like a, a theming more than anything else. It's not like it ties in narratively. Yeah, 
So, oh, well, now we've established that, that that's why George is silent. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know. What is the plot okay. of of this so, game? Because So far, the plot, I think I'm about 25 hours in. I'm, I'd be very surprised if there was a twist, to be honest. Um, okay. Because it seems very traditional. You are with uh, Evan. That's his name. The kid's called Evan. So, uh, Evan, Evan okay. Evan's kingdom gets um, a coup happens, and he gets kicked out. Um, by the rat people because he's like a half cat boy. Uh, <laughs> it's right. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the sort of game this is. <laughs> uh, the rat people kick him out. He goes and decides he wants to build his own kingdom, and then make friends with all the other kingdoms. So the story is pretty much you're going to all the other kingdoms, making friends with them. All the while, there's a scary sort of snake man who is going around the kingdoms collecting people's bonds with their uh, king makers, which are basically like big monsters that every king has that says like i'm a king i'm friends with a monster this is my bond with it um right snake man's going around making all the other people all the kings kings in inverted commas because they're not technically all kings <laughs> um sort of corrupted and then stealing their bond in the attempts to bring back like the big evil kingmaker. that's the plot okay much. that's the plot all right yeah. um so no connection like even tangentially to the first game. Uh, I mean, like the the sort of style is the same. Like it, it looks yeah, similar. Yeah. You have like monsters that are sort of similar-ish. Like, is it the same world as Nina Kuni? No, I don't um, think so. None of it. You have like you'll see like characters that are kind of like sort of inspired or similar to the other ones. Like like in the first one, you had Mister Drippy, and then. So was his name actually Mr. Drippy? I assumed that was a joke. No, 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 that's his name. <laughs> uh, and like, this one you have a, a little little guy called Lofty, who's also a little Welsh sort of spirit, but he's he's your kingmaker in this one. And I, I think I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Maybe Mr. Drippy appears as like like a myth. So this is like a long time in the future, maybe. <laughs> the legend yeah, of Drippy. Yeah, that might I might have misremembered that. It was something along those lines. Um, nice. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the plot is just not the best it's not like it's it's not no. going to win any not to, i mean not to harp on wales but is that like their equivalent of mr whippy <laughs> oh definitely um yeah the, well i mean the voice acting is good in it i don't feel like he's as good lofty as mr drippy was probably just because it's there's less of that sort of like um novelty than once it's been done um but the combat's really good the combat's a really good sort of uh action uh, two button input system with special abilities and stuff works nicely. So, it's decent. I'm still just so this is this is a a JRPG obviously designed by a Japanese studio that they've chosen to center around a Welsh spirit. Oh yeah, and they're all very English and British. Mis- Mr. Drippy. Yeah, well, but the guy the right, goes okay, I think he's the Japanese president, <laughs> prime minister. It's I think it's one of those things where in in the first game obviously uh, they all had. It's one of those things where it's quite heavily localized. I think they all had different names, all different, you know, everything okay. in the original version, and they've been, you know, changed for the dub because I think it the it it was quite a quite a, uh, it was quite a good dub for the first game. Anyway, they they spent a lot of time and money, obviously, on getting good voice actors and everything. Yeah, this one's perfectly fine. There's not like so far, I've not had like you mm-hmm. always have those like couple of really annoying characters that you don't like to hear, but there's not 
really any in this one. <laughs> Can't really get yeah, away from Yeah, there's not like in a yeah, like a Tales game, for example. There's always like a couple there. You're like, oh, the English voice acting is horrible for you. <laughs> Why do you exist? Um, yeah, but there's this. They're all yeah. fine. There's there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing stand out really either, which is a shame. But um, they're all perfectly fine. But you'll have things like there's mm-hmm. the like for example the there's the casino town that has the in, again an inverted commas king of the casino town is like is called the high roller and he's just like the best at gambling <laughs> so therefore he's like nice, the nice. king and then he made friends with a with a big uh, monster somehow I don't quite understand how some of that works uh, but that's all very sort of traditional Japanese or in like traditional robes and stuff so yeah, yeah. so you have weird like culture but... clashes almost there. Yeah, but you always kind of get that, yeah. don't you, in these it's games? Just, it's fine, uh, yeah. And another major thing of a lo- all, all level 5 games is some sort of like city-building game, well, most level 5 games. is like a, Yeah, so in this one, you build up your kingdom in kind of this sort of... It's a bit like those sort of really crap Android well, uh, mobile like town-building games where like you'll you'll tell it to like construct something and it'll take like six hours to do. <laughs> it reminds me of that almost. Except in this one, you can all you go and you recruit people from in the world to sort of live in your new kingdom, which mm-hmm. is again fine. The side quests are all basically find me a thing or kill me a thing or talk to a person about a thing. Which yeah, is, I don't know. I, so it's you... it's it's fine. I don't know. It's it's one of those games that like I've I've enjoyed my time with it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't jump to recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I think. I think the problem with level 5 is they make very, very solid games with, you know, like, they're usually really traditional and they don't take a huge amount of risks. Mm. I mean, in some ways, uh, these two games, gameplay-wise, are a bit different, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're both very different. Because they're, they're, they're a bit weird. Yeah. Like, kind of, the, the first game has got a bit of a, a real-time Pokemon thing going on, and this one's, like, got those weird little monster things oh, that yeah. you... yeah, the Higgledies. Little Swarm Higgledies. They go around yeah, going, okay. Higgledy, Higgledy. <laughs> They're quite cute. Uh, yeah, and you kind of... you, If you, like, charge up a special attack near them, then they'll embody you with different properties depending on which ones you have with you. And then you can get them to do special powers and stuff. So they're kind of cool. But they're, they're, they're alright. <laughs> like, they're fine. They're not, like... I don't feel like they make the game, like, suddenly really good. You don't really control them in yeah. combat. They just sort of do stuff around you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard with level 5 because I feel like level 5 peaked with sort of Dark Chronicle and Rogue Galaxy. Dragon Quest. Yeah, eight, I feel like, I yeah, eight, those three yeah. are kind of like... The PS2 one. The, they've just not been able to... Which is weird because those are like right at the start of their... I know. <laughs> Dark Chronicle <laughs> remains one of my favourite games of all time. It's one of those... And I mean, ever, ever since then, they've made like well, obviously they made Layton. Which, oh yeah, oh yeah, they made Layton. They made a lot, stuff a lot as of people well. love themselves some some Layton, but then like they have an enormous like catalog of games, and a lot of them are kind yeah, of made... kind of mediocre. Yeah. But a lot of them, like they're very solid. Like you can kind of rely on mm. them. You know yeah, I mean? they're like but... they're like they're just fine. They don't they don't get me excited in the same way that other games have. I don't find that anything yeah. like that stands out and is like this bit is amazing. I mean, the first game, the first Nino Kuni game, I think, had that for a bit. Yeah, I, I agree. Because it kind of wears off over the course of mm. the game. But, like, to begin with, like, it's it's pretty magic. Because, you know, you get the, the score is incredible. Yeah. 
you get the the cut scenes the like the visual design's amazing and for a while it just really carries you along yeah. but then i think it kind of loses momentum it a does little. a bit it does a bit i think it has that problem of jrpgs where it tries to sort of lengthen itself to sort of fit like combat and then level grinding and stuff in alongside yeah. trying to tell what for the first half of Nino Kuni 2 is quite a nice concise story about basically in Nino Kuni the first one they, the the kid's mum dies and he's kind of left alone and it's about him sort of overcoming that sort of trauma and you're never really sure if he's if it's real or if he's kind yeah, of yeah or if it's like it's a strange, kind of a strange fantasy, fantasy thing because he has a Mrs. Rippy toy and he cries on it and it comes to life and drink, draws him into this world so you kind of and you kind of you go back there occasionally as well, so you're never really sure what's real mm. and what's not. Whereas, and it kind of intersects in an interesting way with the the real life bits and the the like fantasy. Yeah, bits. yeah, and it all has this same theme of like dealing with loss and stuff. Whereas this one doesn't yeah, have any of those themes. It's very much sort of uh, Evan's been kicked out of his kingdom, but like within about five to ten hours, he's got a new one. <laughs> It's like great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds like the the plot overview of it, because I mean, the first game was in a lot of ways like a lot of uh, Studio Ghibli films, kind of, you know, it uh, kind of like coming of age, quite bittersweet. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds a bit like it's lost it, that. Yeah, it but... has a bit. Like the first one was a parable of, for things, and it, this one's very much like, I don't know. I think you could definitely there's parts of this which you could probably interpret as like not a hero's journey but maybe a villain's one i don't know because it's like there are <laughs> things that uh... evan says and like i know he's a kid but you're like he's like we should unite the world and it's like i say like, well what if they don't want to he's like well we could just fight them <laughs> well, and then yeah. it's like yeah that's something like, not quite right about that <laughs> something's not quite right about this kid he's a future future evil yeah. king eh? he's gonna come but for it does you. it in this weird innocent way of like of like oh don't be ridiculous i'm like yeah, but he's not joking about that. He's like, he like, he like, he wants to make the world at peace, and his way of making the world at peace is by killing all the people who don't want to be at peace. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Son. Yeah. So I don't know if they're gonna make more of that towards the end, but I don't. I doubt it. I reckon what'll happen is I'm at the fourth location now. I'll, you know, I'll finish the fourth location, go on to the fifth. The bad guy will get the thing at the fifth, and then. I'll fight the big bad boss and that'll be the end of the game. I'd You'll mess be him up. surprised if there's anything else in between. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, so... Speaking of games in which... Like, to, to segue, right, into the other half of the RPG nonsense mm-hmm. closet, JRPG nonsense closet, games in which the protagonist is ambiguously villainous, <laughs> uh, what I have been playing recently is uh the first tales game i've played in my life and evie mentioned them earlier so i think he's got some familiarity that that i lack uh is tales of berseria which i've i've been quite enjoying i think like on a base level there's a bit of the there's some parts of the game that i'm skeptical of for the reason that the i think the the, like last two tales games have been like releases on the ps3 Mm -hmm. as well and it's a bit weird in that they feel like they've really not moved forward visually yeah. in a long the time. The Bazeria was released on the PS3 in Japan. I think it's why it still looks a bit yeah. sketchy. It does look a bit sketchy. And there's some bits where like the environments are pretty like just bland. And it's a bit like, this doesn't feel current mm-hmm. gen. You know what I mean? But 
Yeah, I, I think it's a weird one to start with, I think, because from what I gather, it's a pretty big departure yeah. from what the rest of the series mm. is. But I think it's interesting in that it's one of the few uh, kind of like kind of like legitimately morally ambiguous mm. ones in terms of being a JRPG story. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it starts out and, I mean, I, I don't know, it's not, I don't know how much of this is a spoiler because I think a lot of it is, like, on the box, basically. <laughs> so I've not played it, so like, I know basic... bits about it just from looking at the box and reading a review, so. Yeah, it starts out in very, like, traditional, like, I guess, like, JRPG style where there's, there's this girl and she's got a, a mentor and, uh like her little brother and you know you do all this like menial stuff you go and hunt some wee pigs in the forest and so on and there's kind of like undertones because it starts with like these cuts to her basically in prison and like basically eventually it turns out so you're i think it like ties in with the le- the previous one it's supposed to be like a very very distant prequel to uh what was the, one, the other one? Zestiria. Zestiria? Yeah, is that right? which I didn't like at all, to be honest. I, felt like was, I, I heard that one was I a bit that nah. That was the worst Tales game that I've played. And I've played about six of yeah. them now. So. But yeah, the, the kind of arc of it is that in order to... Because basically like, humans get turned into these demons by this, uh, this thing. And the kind of arc of it is that uh, her mentor, who is an exorcist... Uh, during a like an outbreak, what I assume so far is like an outbreak, uh, sacrifices her brother in a ritual to kind of prevent it from happening, mm. and she gets partially turned into a demon and locked up. And so it's like her kind of the whole arc of it so far is just a revenge story, basically. Which is, you know, she's yeah after him. Which is really interesting because um, you don't see that often in something like this. Being a pretty kind of, uh, you know, straight up revenge story about, you know, because she's not really, to begin with, I think, like, she starts caring about other things through the story, because, I mean, you know, she gets a bit edgy after, you know, that happens, and apparently she spends, like, three years in in this jail, and then, basically, the first thing she does is organize a prison riot and uh, uh, murder her way out. So you're saying at the start, it's a jail RPG. Hey, JLRPG, <laughs> nice one. But it is a JLRPG. You're correct. <laughs> and so, I mean, it kind of... It's interesting, I think, in that, like, it's not... It's not, like, like directly, like, you're playing as villains or whatever. Like, you know, it's not... You know, they're just evil and they're out to, you know, cause chaos. But you end up doing some kind of... Like, obviously, the, the order that you're fighting against, basically, in the meantime, your your mentor, Arthur, has established this kind of world order of exorcists. Yeah. And they, they're pretty sketchy, <laughs> basically. Even though they try and, like, portray themselves as being otherwise. Because yeah. they're, like, basically, they've enslaved this, like, race of magical creatures to do their bidding. And... Like, you know, all the way up to, like, instructing them to suicide bomb you at one oh point. Gosh. And so, like, you kind of, you get that. But then at the same time, in the middle of trying to just uh, move on, you and your kind of band of ragtag misfits end up, like, uh, 
you know, destroying the livelihood of a whole town because you're trying to escape from it and then you, you end up lighting it on fire. Right. And just, <laughs> just stuff like that. You cause all sorts of problems, basically, just by being right. around. And, yeah, it seems pretty interesting that so far. That is interesting. That is interesting. Because one of the things that, like, uh, that I feel like Nino Kuni 2 tries to, like, make sense of is doing side quests. So you kind of do side quests to get people to come to your um to your kingdom. But then also there's this like it's like <laughs> why why are you helping these people so that they'll come and live with you and rule, be ruled over <laughs> by you? Again, I'm, I still I see the whole Evan thing as being like just a bit sinister in a way that it's probably not supposed <laughs> to be. It's like, oh, you brought me five fish. I suppose that now I will be your surf. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> the way it sometimes is. Uh, whereas yours is more like, well, yours, Bazaria is a bit more sort of openly with that sort of moral ambiguity. But it sounds interesting. I've got it on my shelf. I keep meaning to play it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've never, to begin with, I was a bit baffled by the combat system as well. Because... I hear it's a big departure as well from other Tales yeah, it's games. it's supposed but... to be. Because you, you don't have, like, it's more open. Like, in a dungeon, you sort of run around and you fight anything that's there. Is that the case? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Whereas other ones, you kind of got zoomed into, like, an arena. And then you sort of always... It was a, what is it they call it? Like, the linear battle system. So you're kind of always locked onto something unless you actively tell yourself not to be. Um, okay. Yeah. Like yeah, in the new one, you kind of like you know you can kind of wander around mm. in the in the uh, like the, you're locked into a wee area, a wee circle on the map, and if you you know you walk outside of it, you start escaping. But yeah, I think yeah, you're not like locked into a specific target or anything. You can kind of uh, attack anything at will. It's kind of fluid, but man, it takes some getting used to because. You know, you have uh, all the different attacks, and you have to like map them to different buttons. I don't know what it was like yeah, in that, yeah, that was in the old the way, ones. Yeah. So like different directions. Because there's like that you're facing. Like for in this one, it's like you get you know there's like, four stages on every button, and you have to like set a different art to each stage, and then remember which button goes to which stage at which time for different effects because obviously you'll want to use different <laughs> weaknesses and stuff and it's been baffling me to be honest I, I need to just like knuckle down and take a look at it or I'm just going to end up mashing for the rest of the game <laughs> just on auto and have, just sort of sit back <laughs> sit back relax <laughs> I keep dying by mistake though because the uh, the main character Velvet she her thing is basically she's got this big old demon hand yeah. right and so I don't know what, again, no idea what the old Tales games were like, but in this one, like, the amount of actions you can take is dictated by how many souls you have. Mm. And you gain more by stunning or inflicting status effects or taking an enemy out. And the more you have, the more susceptible you are to status effects. Oh, really? That's interesting. And, yeah, there's kind of a balance there. And also, the more difficult it is to apply status effects to enemies. Oh, that's interesting. So if you're sitting around at max souls you'll struggle to you know stun things that's interesting but the the other side of it is that you get effects called uh break souls in which you sacrifice one of the souls and give one to the enemy for the purpose of using a, a big attack or in the case of velvet like a special mode right uh that starts draining her health she can do attacks to get health back 
but one of the attacks like doubles down on the right. mode that you're in and starts draining more <laughs> wow. health and the less health she has the more damage she does wow and so i've killed myself like hundreds of times <laughs> basically yeah and it's a bit it's a bit baffling but yeah it's pretty interesting, interesting. i i've always been interested in playing a tales game i i hear like obviously the big go-to one is what symphonia for the gamecube yeah, that's is the first the one i played the first one yeah that's kind of the one everyone talks yeah. about and then like in the seventh gen is it right the seventh gen like the 360 generation yeah, vesperia is really it's good as well what, vesperia yeah. yeah that's the the big one that i think is getting a remaster or something it is, yeah soon. it also has sort of an interesting main character who's sort of morally ambiguous a bit he's yeah he's the, probably you think well of the ones i played he was definitely the first like tales character that who you thought was like maybe he's not the hero sort of thing like he just sort of he kind of doesn't want to be doing any of this he's kind of well, <laughs> it's, it's kind of more like the sort of traditional anti-hero in a way of being like he doesn't want to help people or do anything to do with the massive conflict but like he doesn't really have much other choice because he's kind of been thrown into it a bit um which is interesting but the main reason i've played so many tales games actually is just because all the combat i'm assuming it's the same in Bazaria. Um, you can play with up to three other people, so it's like it's just a nice like oh, I four no person. Idea. Uh, that's yeah. When I when I was younger, that's what we used to do. We used to play Symphonia on the GameCube with four controllers and and do that stuff. Co-op JRPG. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I had no idea about that. That's actually cool. Really cool. Yeah, every, yeah. You can have loads of other people doing stuff. I don't know. If, I assume it's the same on that one. It's kind of one of the main reasons you'd pick up a a, a Tales game for me. Could be. I don't know. No friends. I'll have so. to try it out sometime. See if I can rope some people into this one. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's, it looks good. I'm eager to play it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's definitely worth it. Do, I think we should roll into the finale. Do you don't want to tell us about should. our board game real quick? I think we should progress. Okay, do you want to choose your own next topic we talk about? <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, let's do a Choose Your Own Darksiders adventure, boys. Are you, are you ready? Are you strapped in? Are you engaged? Always ready. Got your brains turned on. I'm eternally strapped in. I think George just eager to, eager to speak, <laughs> <laughs> having been locked out okay. of so, the JRPG nonsense yeah. closet. Darksiders 3 is coming out soon. I, I haven't checked when. At, at some point this year, I, I think. I think. Uh, so, I'm doing a little... Yeah, the little Darksiders choose your own adventure. We're going to be playing as Fury, who's going to be in Darksiders 3. So here we go. Right, let me just give you a brief overview of what's happened in Darksiders from my Set knowledge of the playing the first one and then playing about sort of six hours of the second one. So the world's been blown up. Humanity is dead. Or maybe they're alive again. I haven't finished Darksiders 2. I don't know if they, they come back to life in that one. Uh, the ru- world's in ruins. So you are Fury. And much like your brothers, you've crash-landed on a to kill some folk and do something about the balance and the council or something uh anyway so you've just crash landed you find yourself in a crater of your own making fire curls around the edges in a pleasingly dangerous way in order to continue your adventure you need to leave this accursed pit do you a jump out of the pit effortlessly jump out of the pit onto the soft ground forcefully jump out of the pit onto the soft ground or shout loudly because there's nothing to kill a b or c boys um, it, should, it should be say. So we're we're off we're off to the council. 
you're no, you're here to sort of find your brothers, sort out some stuff, maybe kill some things along the way. What do you want to do to get out, out of the thing? Uh, I want to vent my anger at there being nothing to kill because yeah. frankly, That's what I was gonna say, see. a bin day only every three weeks is why this council has to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, it should be said I have, do have an answer to everything you do, so don't, I won't get stuck in a in a rut. <laughs> Okay, we're stuck in a rut right now. Oh well, yeah, well apart from that one, that one was was by design though. <laughs> okay, so you roar furiously that the crater you sit in. Uh, you roar so furiously that the crater you sit in seems to grow inside, inside, in size. Can't speak apparently. <laughs> Small stones begin to roll towards you. Foolish beings, you think there may be many of you, but you are so tiny. You continue to howl at the stones, but they don't seem to jump forward to attack you. <laughs> you think maybe they must be some sort of stone monster or rock golem, but they never come together. Nothing appears. So you begin to bellow once more. This causes more stones to fall, fall towards you. Excitement seeps into you again, and you think that surely this time you'll get to kill a stone monster. When nothing appears, you shout once more. This continues for several hours. <laughs> Moving on to number four. So... Living our best life. <laughs> convinced that so we shouted our way out of the pit. Uh, you're still in the pit. Convinced that the stone monsters must be cowards, <laughs> you decide to get back to the task at hand. What will you do now? A. Effortlessly jump out of the pit. Forcefully jump out of the pit. Or shout loudly because there's nothing to kill. Are you sure we don't become stuck in a rut? Because I, I get the feeling that this might be a, a bit of a circular... <laughs> but, you know, in order to find out the depth of Nebby's game design. <laughs> I vote C again. Do you think maybe... Uh, yeah, I'm still pretty angry because I was so excited to All right, okay. Region for We're still in the monster. pit. The rock monsters are cowards. Right. <laughs> the rock monsters are cowards. <laughs> so, <laughs> surprisingly, you, you roll furiously and the pit starts to grow in size. Small stones begin to roll down towards you. Foolish beings, you think. Uh, we can skip to the end there if you want. <laughs> Excitement seeps into you again. I think surely this time so we're just surrounded a stone by monster even more rocks. <laughs> must appear, but nothing appears. You shout once more. This continues for several hours. Okay, convinced the rock monsters are definitely cowards, you decide to get back to the task at hand. Do you a effortlessly right. limp, leap out of the uh, effortlessly leap out of the pit, or b forcefully leap out of the pit? I've left C off this time. Because I thought you'd you do this. <laughs> Alright. I say forcefully. I, I mean... was going to say the same thing. Okay. Exactly. Anything you do, it's worth putting in some okay. effort. You leap out of the crater with such force that you rock it into the sky. As you begin your hurtling descent, you consider perhaps that the soft approach may work better on this weak, pathetic planet. As you land, you form a hole roughly as deep as the one from before. What should you do now? <laughs> do you, A, effortlessly leap out of the pit? B, Forcefully leap out of the pit. <laughs> C. Shout loudly because there's nothing to kill. <laughs> I mean, having moved on, I was certain there'd be something to kill by now. I, I know. Yeah, I don't know if we should show pity to the listeners or not. Um, I guess I'll go with a just. Yeah. Uh, we'll put less effort this, in this, this one along. and effortlessly jump out of the pit. Okay. You hop out of the crater and survey the world. It's, a, it's barren and lifeless. Disappointed that there's nothing to kill. Do you A, journey north to find whose blood you can bathe in? B, journey south in the hopes of finding your brothers and discovering why you're on this lifeless planet in the first place? Or C, shout loudly because there's nothing to kill? Well, it's like, do you know in a text adventure when there's one option that you get 
that doesn't really do anything in every environment, but you just need to try it out. <laughs> uh, so it's C, C yeah, for C. me. Right, okay. Number seven. Okay. Oh, dear. Right. Sucking air into your lungs, you release a cry that shakes the ground. This cry becomes a scream, and that scream inverts itself back, itself, back into a cry. Cal- <laughs> oh, dear. Calmly, you shut your mouth as uh, the incredible sound continues to ring into the horizon, and yet nothing comes to challenge you. You wait a moment and hear a sound, likely the wind, but you don't care, and begin to shout once more. <laughs> this continues for several hours. <laughs> continue to number 11. Here we are. Somewhat calm once more. You are convinced... <laughs> Somewhat calm once more and convinced the planet must be full of cowards and weaklings. What do you want to do? A, head north. B, head south. I like the sound of south. Alright, I'll go with south because I don't think we'll get anywhere if we disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I could read the... We'll just shout again. Yeah, it should be said that this, this, is a, this is a definite fork. There's a, a whole north plot, but if you want to go south, we can go south. Which was south. Are you trying to dissuade us from no, going I'm south? No, I'm just informing the listeners that there is, in fact, a north. Okay, okay, okay. There's an entire sort of mini-narrative about going north that's not to do There's with finding your an entire northern plot that readers are waiting <laughs> for and are certain it's going to happen. Okay. Too bad. As you travel south, you begin to see the ruins of the human civilization that once occupied this disgusting, pathetic, weak cosmic ball. You enter what was once the city on this desolate planet. Still, in spite of this, you see no sign of your brothers. And more importantly, there's nothing to kill. What do you do? A. Search the crumbling tower. B. Head for the city centre. Or C. Shout loudly because there's nothing to kill. (laughs) I mean... C. C, I mean, C. (laughs) C. We've got to see what happens. Okay, one sec. It'll do something eventually, surely. There's no way way you'd give us this useless option. Over and over right <laughs> so i want to shout loudly you dive into the air screaming because there's nothing to kill as you land <laughs> sorry as you land you you <laughs> as you land you bash into the into the building next to you causing it to crumble the tower <laughs> you may no longer search the tower this only further incites rage inside you you continue to shout for many hours <laughs> Continue to number eighteen. <laughs> nice, nice. You don't get to go up the tower anymore because you you broke it. Who who cares about the tower? Yeah, there was no one to kill in there anyway. If if the tower was important, it would have been better constructed. Mm-hmm. So let's do number two. So option two. Uh, heading for the city center, you spot two figures sitting beneath a lopsided lamppost. The two appear to be in deep conversation. Uh, <laughs> as these are the first... C. Let's do C. <laughs> as these are the first beings that you've seen on this utterly dull planet, your blood begins to rush and you think about how slicing them open and watching their life drain from their bodies would be so delightful. Do you, A, rush the beings, stabbing one in the back and shooting the other in the head? They've clearly dropped their guard and will be easy prey. Or will you, B, call out to the figures, draw your weapons and ready yourself for a mighty battle? Uh, C. Shout... There is no C in this one. There's no C. Just A. I mean, there's something to kill. So I mean, Uh, A. A. Well, I mean, I guess it's A. I can't disagree. A. Do we have a gun? Did you say we have a gun? Yeah, you've got a gun. Got a gun. What kind of gun? Whatever. I think in the second game, Fury's gun's a bit like a revolver. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I've not played Dark Yeah, you, yeah. You can get Fury's gun, and it's yeah, yeah. I think in the first one you get a more of a pistol-y sort of gun. I don't know. I don't know. These games make absolutely no sense. This is let's blast right, them. Okay. Uh, what were we doing? Where's where's uh, fifteen? You leap forward with an effortless speed. The two stood no chance. Before the first can even turn his head, your blade has punched through his heart. The other tries to cry out, but your bullet clears the space between his eyes, leaving only a view of the lamppost beyond. As the body slumped to the floor, you realise that these were your brothers you came here to find. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so what you're saying is they're dead, and then there's now no one around to kill. I think we should shout with rage. Uh, if, there's a, if there's a sea, Death, let's just... Uh, okay. Death and war okay, lay okay, dead at your up. feet. And then you let out a, ma- a mighty cry, partly because of the loss of your family, but also because you've defeated the two mightiest enemies as easily as breathing. While your journey may end here, as there's nothing left to do, <laughs> you, are un- you are now undoubtedly the, be- the most powerful being on this pl- planet and likely the universe. And that's really what counts. These were the only two that knew what the council's message were, so you might as well just sit here and wait for the next game to appear. That's that's the end of your journey. Well, you, you, that's the end of yeah. our journey. You. So in our rage, we seem to have skipped most of the things we could do. <laughs> We've jumped like some looking holes at things, into the planet. Yeah, speaking to so people. There's a whole bit about you walking up the tower you could have done. You you didn't have to kill them. <laughs> no, <laughs> there was an option not to. Well, um, there was a whole was there a whole a, narrative about going was north. I'll put this on the website. People can. Yeah, you might as well. Give it. the readers the option yeah. to experience. Yeah, the, the reader can, you know... These cowardly paths for themselves. <laughs> if they don't have the spine for murder and shouting. Yeah. They can enjoy it without me forgetting how to read and <laughs> laughing in between as well. There's a whole whole north north journey you can go and... Uh, there's a fun joke about, about meeting a squirrel when you go north. So There's that. Did, did, would we have killed the squirrel? Um, no, no. Oh well. You you, you, you try, but, but you can't kill them all. But no. Do you want me to read you the scroll? <laughs> yeah, well, do you want to backtrack and do that thing where you put your thumb in the page? No, that w- that would be disingenuous to our to our, our narrative. To your narrative. All decisions are final. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you enjoy shouting around because there was nothing to kill until there was something to kill? I did immensely. And then and we killed it. <laughs> you killed it. Mission accomplished. Was, um clean yeah that was my darksiders 2 choose your own adventure thanks for your work maybe reading it aloud it was more nonsense than i even realized it was when i was writing it i mean was that your fault or our fault for the decisions oh we made? i think that was i stand by our decisions i don't think it could have been our fault. i, 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 I think you were fine we made good decisions. You, you nearly got yourself we stuck in the planning. loop of jumping out of the crater shouting jumping out of the crater <laughs> shouting <laughs> Look, if there was a game where that option kept coming up, you know I would spend like half an hour pressing that option, wondering if I'd unlock, you know, the, the secret ending. Yeah, there's, secret. An, there's an inevitable Far Cry ending where you just shout for 15 minutes and then the game ends. <laughs> exactly. Credits roll. Super. Um, should we wrap up? Let's wrap up. I guess we'll wrap it up and put a bow cool. on it. Right. Thank you for listening to uh, episode number 17, did we say? Of the Bits and Pieces yeah, This podcast. is episode number 17, wherein we rambled a bit. Because <laughs> we've never done that before. <laughs> and 
<laughs> no, never. We're always very focused. Yeah. Um, and we excluded George from JRPG chat. Yes. You know, we'll we'll have to sat, con- we'll have sat, to convert yeah, him. I sat at the closet door and listened we'll to, to the nonsense within. We'll have to convert him. We'll have to get get him out of the non JRPG exactly. closet. We should, we'll find something that that's like an intro, something light. An intro, exactly. I, I feel like Child of Child of Light is quite a good JRPG intro game. Um, but that's another discussion for another day. Um, anyway, if, you've, if you okay. found us without Wrapping. the website attached, you can find us at bitsandpieces.games or find us on the social things uh, at bits plus pieces on Twitter and those bits and pieces at Instagram and Facebook. Um, yes. You can also send us an email at those bits and pieces at gmail.com. I do check them occasionally. So there is that. Um, nice. This is a, a bad ending, but thank you for listening. <laughs> Not doing it as well as normal. If, if it works, it works. <laughs> you know, George. Someday you'll get to talk about Watson and Holmes, but not today. <laughs> not today. So next, next time, time. Well, I'll end by effortlessly, effortlessly jumping out of this hole. <laughs> I did have real trouble saying effortlessly <laughs> several I, times. You, you transferred it to me. Yeah, it's contagious. It's a disease. <laughs> thank you for listening. Goodbye. Right. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good morning. Ha, ha, ha.